You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Well, let me just say, you guys are in for a huge treat. I have been a fan of Natalie Frank for a pretty long time, and Natalie is joining us for today's conversation, and it's all about loneliness, community. Why the heck do we feel so alone all the time? What is it in our world that's kind of creating it? And then how do we get out of the rut? If Natalie's name sounds familiar, it's because she is the founder of Rising Tide Society, an incredible community full of small business owners that choose community over competition that rally around each other, even when the world thinks it's little nuts that other small business owners are championing each other. She also is a part of the HoneyBook community, and if HoneyBook sounds familiar, it's because I am obsessed. I use it for all of our contract and invoices over here on Behind the Bliss and my own small business at rachelautry.com. So if you are a photographer, small business owner, if you're any kind of vendor and work with other clients, I highly recommend HoneyBook. HoneyBook has so many powerful features for building your small business, from invoices to contracts, sending proposals for people that are curious about your services. You can schedule meetings, you can automate emails, and way more. And the cool news is that we're offering listeners 50% off a HoneyBook membership. 50. So if you want to claim that, snag it, or just learn more about HoneyBook, head to our show notes at behindtheblisspodcast.com slash HoneyBook. Natalie is truly amazing. She starts out today's conversation with a huge truth bomb that I think will totally redirect your perspective to have a bigger picture mindset when listening to today. So I am so excited for all the big sister wisdom, advice. Be ready to be charged, challenged, and championed in today's episode by Natalie Frank. Hey, Natalie, welcome to Behind the Bliss. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is this is going to be awesome. I don't know if um I probably should have told you this whenever we were chatting before recording about all logistics but I have been a part of Rising Tide Society here in Birmingham and literally have just been able I think to see lots of really fun things that you have moved forward in and that you've set up from behind the scenes so to sit down with you today for a conversation about how in the world it got started community in general and all the things that I consider you an expert on is seriously an honor. So thank you for taking time to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this and for raising your hand to be a part of community. I think, you know, a lot of the time when we have conversations about community, people might even be clicking this episode right now, jumping in and thinking, uh, it's about community. Like I can go listen to something else. I don't need (laughs) Mm -hmm. to listen to this. Like teach me about something else. And if you are having those feelings, I want you to hold tight. And I want you to lean into this conversation today because I think that as a lot of us intuitively know um, in our gut and even is taught to us through our faith, that we are built for belonging. We are created for community. On the flip side of that, though, however, our brains are also wired for competition. So within every Mm -hmm. human being is this challenging dichotomy between knowing that we are created to cheer for one another, knowing that we are created to rally behind one another, support one another, champion one another, and yet 
we still fall into the trap of comparison and competition and struggling with our own internal internal narratives that can sometimes lead us astray and can have us pit against one another rather than truly living in community. And so if you're listening to this, before we even get into my story, I want to talk about you. <laughs> and I want to talk about the listener who's maybe listening to this amidst scrolling on their cell phone, amidst, yep. you know, absorbing the latest TikToks or Instagrams or Facebooks is <laughs> feeling less than left out and lonely. And I want to speak to her. I want to speak to her because let me just tell you something right off the bat. God did not create you to live alone. And that does not mean objective loneliness, meaning you might be surrounded by people every minute of every day. You might be surrounded by conversation and chatter and likes and engagement and emails and a partner that you love or a best friend that's there to support you, and you can still feel completely alone. You can walk into a room full of people and still feel completely alone because loneliness is not something on the outside. It is something on the inside. It is something we must fight against. And so today, we're going to talk about community. But if you aren't sure what that means for you, I want you to think of this as the antithesis of all of those feelings we just talked about. Community, belonging, and being a part of something greater than yourself is about combating that internal isolation and loneliness that only leads us further from one another and further from the Lord. And I'll leave it there, and then we can jump into my story. But I just had to speak right now to some listener out there who's listening to this and maybe wasn't going to continue listening because they heard the word community and they thought that didn't apply to them. And if that was you, I want to make sure that you lean in a little bit closer because these words are coming straight at you. Yes, Natalie, goosebumps everywhere. And you know why I'm so thankful for that? Because I think we all, I'm saying we all because a lot of my friends and I have had this conversation, live in this weird tension of, okay, I want community. Of course, I would never want to be lonely. But then whenever there's community offered to you on a silver platter, it's like the last thing you'd want to talk about. And it's like the last thing that you would feel like maybe you even have opportunity to take and it's right in front of you. And so thank you first and foremost, just for setting the tone and challenging someone in love to say before, whoa, 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 before you move on, before you write this off, like I would challenge you that this might be for you because you're uncomfortable and you want to write this off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think honestly, that's where I find growth is when I get stretched, learn things, uh, lift weights that I obviously have to struggle and strain to lift. And, and that, obviously means growth. And so thank you. Wow. Wow. I This conversation is going to be awesome. Ooh. Oh yeah. We're not holding back today. We're not holding back today. Not, not no, no. I'm like you. Yes. We are soul sisters deep down at the core. I will say that's one of the hardest things about this podcast is I'm like, okay, I don't want to come across as that yelly, big sister but at the same time I'm like no like I I can't hold this message back so Mm. Lord please give me the grace and the patience and the kindness to say it forth in love when a lot of times it's rooted in like a holy discontent like a holy frustration because I'm like I know this this is the place for this and I know there has to be conversational community and I want to call my sisters out because I hear friends all the time say I'm just so lonely I'm like you didn't call you know and so I want I this is going to be the conversation for you listening, where we're going to call you out in love. And I can guarantee you, I will be sitting there with you. Natalie, you probably will be sitting there with us too. Like a lot of the things I feel like I say, I'm like, that was for me, you know? And that's the cool Mm -hmm. thing about operating with the Holy Spirit is you say things that weren't your words and they pierce you too. So let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. Well, before we do continue, 
people are probably already obsessed with you. So tell us who Natalie Frank is and what you've got going on, sister. Oh, man. Well, it's funny that you say you don't want to feel like you're like the big sister, like kind of like shouting. But I actually I think of myself a little bit like your nerdy older sister. So if someone is listening to this and you've been looking for a nerdy older sister in your life who also loves Jesus, I think you just found her. Um, I'm I'm a photographer by trade. I photographed weddings full time for seven years. And look, I climbed every success ladder that you can possibly climb. And I don't say that to brag, but I say that to tell you that it will not bring you happiness. I – you know, went to an Ivy League school. I studied neuroscience and psychology. I built a six-figure business and then surpassed six figures really quickly. I did all of that while chasing my way up this ladder of success. And I got to the top of it and all that was waiting for me was loneliness. And I very vividly remember a night where I was sitting at my desk and the light had completely set, you know, the sun had set outside, the light had completely gone from my room Mm -hmm. and the only light was emanating from my laptop. And I just sat there and I kept working and I kept working. And this thought came barreling up from my gut and it just burst its way into the forefront of my mind. And it was a thought that the minute I thought it, I wanted to rip it back. And it was, I'm tired of being so alone. And I just sat there with it and it was painful. And I remember in that moment just to like, how can I feel this way? Like I'm surrounded by people all the time. This was pre-COVID days. So we're talking truly surrounded by people (laughs) working from coffee shops, like doing the entrepreneurial hustle, you know, out there in the world with people. And yet I felt so unbelievably alone. So my, my story obviously starts before that day, but it really changes that day because that was the day I think I recognized that. I was pursuing success on my own terms for my own gain and not recognizing that I was not built to do this alone and that I ultimately had to change everything about how I was operating. And one of those things that changed was my need for community, recognizing it as something that I needed as much as I need oxygen. And changing everything. And it started just with my hometown of Annapolis. I, you know, got together with my husband, my our two of our really really close friends who were also photographers in our hometown and we started talking about what we could do to make our hometown different. How could we make business owners in Annapolis really rally together and support one another? And that conversation led to the start of the Rising Tide Society, which is, is the community that I lead today. It is founded on a shared belief uh, in championing one another in community over competition. It says, you know, we, we might compete in business in the marketplace, but we will always put people first. That competition is unhealthy when it is out of order, when it is put above looking out for one another. And so we can still compete, but it must be rightly ordered. It must be place, placed below community, placed below people, and loving That's one good. another always has to come first. And so Rising Tide started in that moment. It was five years ago and uh, was born from that. And today, five years later, we have over 77,000 small business owners that are a part of the Rising Tide. We have joined forces with HoneyBook. We are a part of a larger company, which is incredible. Um, we have over 400 chapters that meet every month on different business topics and we support um you know all of that through an army of volunteers an incredible army of local leaders who raise their hand and say you know what just like we f- i felt on day 1 and my co-founders felt on day 1 i want to change my hometown i want small business owners to rally together in my hometown they raise their hand and they want it for their hometown and they step up to lead it and so it has been um one of the greatest joys of my life to lead this community for the last 5 years and just 
it's it's taught me a lot. So when I speak about community, I want you to understand I, I speak from a place of not studying this in school or, you know, getting a degree in grassroots organizing or anything like that. Right. I, I speak from a standpoint of being incredibly broken and working to heal myself through relationships with others and learning how to navigate a competitive landscape that tells us to you know, tear each other down and step on one another to succeed and do whatever we have to do to win at business and flipping it on its head and saying, what if we could operate from a different mindset? What if we could flip the script and change the way we looked at one another? And what if we could actually operate the way I believe we, you know, this is a faith-based podcast. So I can even say this, like biblically, we are supposed to behave. And that is, you know, in yeah. loving one another and being for one another and and really acting out of that and not acting out of self-interest, right? Like really challenging our own notions of what that means. And the craziest thing is, look, like in doing this for the last, last five years, I've had to defend this idea time and time again. And I've had so many people that have said to me, like, business owners, why would they support one another? How can you possibly say that that's a good business move? And I have seen time and time again that it is, that it's not just something that makes us feel good or heals our, our own internal trauma or hardship, but it is something that actually benefits the bottom line of business. So even for people listening that are like, yeah, I, I know I need this for my mental well-being or you know for my spiritual well-being. I need community, but I draw the line at business. Business is something different. I would also challenge you to rethink that because I, I found that businesses who put community first focus on the right things. They focus on serving customers rather than competing with other businesses. They are leaders and not followers because you can never lead when you're chasing after the success of someone else. You can only lead when you are stepping in to your calling, what that is uniquely for you, and understanding that you know someone else's success or the wins that they have are, are not not going to make you any less. They're not going to take away from what you're doing. And, and the, the success of someone else isn't better than the success that's awaiting you, right? You, you're called yeah. for a specific type of success. Business owners that champion this mindset, they, they dig roots deep into the ground. And when the storms come and we know that they come, you know, they, <laughs> they have people to lean on and a network to support them and they're able to weather the storm. I, I could go on and on and on, but I just want to leave it by saying, I'm a photographer that built a community and along the way has learned a lot about this space and has really been challenged in my own personal walk as well to live out this ideology. I have stumbled, I have failed, and I have fought for it time and time again. So if I can share any of that with you today, I'm here to do it. And I'm so glad you are. And I'm so glad you said yes. I'm so mm -hmm. glad that, you know, it took that moment for you that I, it sounds like to me was just a humbling moment where you're like, what am I doing to then turn it? turn perspective, like you said, flip it upside down and say, all right, no, like, let's try to figure out a way for me, knowing that there's other people that are operating the exact same way that kind of need a system to keep them accountable, like Rising Tide Society. And like you're saying, Tuesdays together and even more practical logistics systems like HoneyBook that I think it's all created this bigger community over competition situation that I am all about. And I'm so excited for, I have, okay, I have a question. Yeah. What do you think it is? I mean, I'm just sitting here pondering because I feel like a lot of us listening have probably found ourselves in the place that you were at in that one lonely moment where you're like, I am so lonely, but so successful in so many people's eyes. And how do the two belong together? And I want to know your take on what is it inside of us that wants to strive and pursue success so ambitiously that we forget our need for others because for me it feels mm -hmm. like almost a magnetic pull it's easier for me to operate on my own just to do it rather than to turn to 
friends, community, family, take a break, breathe hard with other people. What is that you think? Mm, well, first I will say there, there's an, a, a very famous African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, yes. go together. And I think what that is getting to here is the fact that we understand, you know, I'll, I'll go even broader. I, I, I'll just speak some truth for a second. When when a society prospers, a lot of times, and I mean that financially, we can look at the Western world in this context, like look at the United States um, as a specific use case. When we prosper, we tend to recognize that efficiency leads to financial stability. If we can be more efficient in our technology, if we can be more efficient in how we operate as a society, we can create more time and more time can create you know, increased prosperity. But unfortunately, what has come with that, I don't mean to get too nerdy, sorry, nerdy older sister here. Go for it. Let's go. But we see institutions that used to serve as the intersection for connection eroding away. And this looks like a lot of things. You know, fewer and fewer people are a part of religious organizations that once, you know, really brought people together once a week, whether that was at a church or a synagogue, right, or a different type of house of worship. These institutions are becoming less and less utilized by the population at large. More people are religiously unaffiliated. To add to that, we're seeing less people have family dinners together. We're seeing less people mm-hmm. participate in clubs and other types of, of you know, societies and groups. We're also seeing over the last, you know, 50 years sort of a, a, a shift. Now, I think it's changing. More people are, are, are going back the way things were, but we saw people leave the cities and go out into the suburbs. We saw people physically leaving spaces where they would interact with other people for a lifestyle of commuting in their vehicle alone by themselves for hours a day. And this shift has just been absolutely unprecedented. It's happened faster than nearly anything else that we can look at throughout society. If you think about it, the way that our brains were created to work, you know, 2,000 years ago, the way the world looked at that time, Rachel, the way it looked then, when you knew everyone in your village, you knew everyone who did everything, you know who grew your That's food, right. yeah. you know who, you know, made your clothing, you had relationships and interactions with people at such a different level and degree to where today, many of us can go an entire day and only speak to one other person face to face very different way of living. We have come to a place in society where we are physically distant, where, I mean, even before COVID, we were physically distant. We were, um, you know, kind of living and operating in these in these spaces that were very, very much alone. And the only interaction mm-hmm. we had were through these societal intersections like religious gatherings, like colleges and universities. And now we're even seeing those go away and become online. And so I don't want to say that online communities are not valuable because I lead one and I see it as an innovation on community, but it doesn't replace in-person connection. So I think what what we're seeing is a combination of two things. One, human beings, like I said, we are created for community. We are built to belong, but we are also wired to compete. This is in the survival mechanisms of our DNA that essentially um, all social animals are like this. I mean, even lions, look at, you know, lions are in prides, yes. but they still compete for mates. You know, yeah. dolphins are in pods, but they still compete for food. Like there, there's a sense of social animals that we come together, but we still have this wiring to compete because deeply rooted within us, we want to, um, not to get like too biological, but we want to survive and pass on our genetic material to the next generation. Like we, that's, that's yeah. the wiring. That's, that's the hardware, the circuitry. Um, but, 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 but we can't do it alone. And we know that. So it's this constant internal kind of, um, you know, warring that happens within all of us. And um, you combine that, I believe, 
with a culture that pits us against one another, with a culture that incites this type of physical isolation, right? And unprecedented yeah. ways that we've never seen before. You include technology that is created not to truly connect us, but actually to generate revenue, which is important for us to remember. These platforms that we're using to connect, that I use to connect my community, still are are operating under a single goal of creating revenue, which means they're built by Silicon Valley scientists that have an interest in keeping us on the platforms longer, to keep us scrolling, mm-hmm. to keep us mm-hmm. engaged. And so we can easily fall into the trap of sitting there and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and consuming rather than connecting and using these platforms to gather as much content as we can rather than use them as a vehicle to connect with other people. And those two different cognitive behaviors result in very different ways that we view ourselves and feel about our surroundings. And so, um, sorry, not to get you nerdy, but all, all of this to say, like, it's in us. It's in us to compete yeah, and it's yeah. in us to be in community. And it is something that we will always kind of battle. But I do think that we live in a very unique time and season where those those competitive natures, those sort of rewards that accompany striving are more visible, are more present. We see them on social media. They're celebrated on social media. You know, yep. nobody, nobody celebrates. Like I was saying this to somebody else. The other day, I'm like, some days when I'm really struggling, getting out of bed is an accomplishment, but nobody cheers me on for getting out of bed. But when I post that I've booked a new client or I've launched a new project, it's like they all cheer. And really, I think we need to cheer for one another for getting up and trying again tomorrow more than we need to cheer for one another for the, the you know gold ribbons and accomplishments that people parade. And I think that that therein lies some of the the struggle and therein lies some of the problem. But I think also very much therein lies some of the solution. And I'm I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and I'm almost getting angry because we I think you and I would both agree. You hear the church, Big C Church, talk all the time about how there's the need for community and we've now identified that there's a huge population of us that are mentally becoming ill because of isolation and because of loneliness and because of all these things and screen time like those are big trendy words right now that we've all identified right but what fires me up is the enemy knows that we've identified them as well so it's not anymore that he's trying to distract us from the fact that we're lonely like I think that's not rocket science we all know we're lonely at some point But I think what he does with that is so perverted where he's like, oh, yeah, you are so lonely. You're right. Here's the solution. And he offers us a falsified version of what could actually help, which I think is what's so important of having a bigger vision for more heavenly things. Like instead of filling our loneliness with empty and meaningless things that are going to end up intensifying the feelings of really identifying, okay, Lord, like what is it that you have for me that's an eternal resource Mm. that you've promised me will never run dry, that will be fruitful, that will return back to me, that will not come back void. And those are the solutions that I think, honestly, as believers, like we have to start ushering people to rather than the, you know, like I think, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I think the enemy has caught on to the game. He knows exactly what we're after and he's going to try to give us second bests until we realize those don't work at all. And I, I, I want, and I love this conversation because it is just calling a lot of bluffs. And so Mm -hmm. you know a lot about community and obviously have done lots of really great research, but then really just note from experience. And I admire that so much. Let's say someone's listening and there's, they're just nodding their head like me and talking back to us like, yes, girl, preach. I know 
help me. What would you kind of give them as three three steps that they could take if they find themselves in a super lonely position and they just need a way out and a friendly kick in the hiney? Mm, okay, this is this is going to be good. And I I want to I want to say this. I'll do my best to keep it to three. But the problem is I'm going to want to keep going. So <laughs> hey, you, you know what? You do as many as you I want. I said three because it seemed less intimidating. But if you've got five or seven, please go. Just go. Oh for my it. gosh. Okay, so let me kind of tee up the conversation with this. I think that there are really two sort of. Also, I apologize if you can hear a beautiful rambunctious fifteen month old screaming in the background. Today I love point. it. Um, That's behind the bliss. <laughs> Listen, we're all about that. It really is. That is like behind the scenes and truly, truly behind the bliss in my life. Um. So let, let's dive in here, looking at it from two perspectives. The first is that um, in order to combat loneliness and to combat these feelings of alienation and isolation, we have to work on ourselves. Um, it, it goes without saying that if we don't first take care of ourselves in this context, we can't then also take care of others in communal spaces or even, um, you know, really like evolve and thrive the way we are meant to. And yeah. I, again, I, I promise I wouldn't get too nerdy, but I'll say one thing. Loneliness is uh, contagious. It's it's viral. It is an actual virus. It, like There have been studies done that say that loneliness spreads faster and impacts more people in, in a circle surrounding the first person who's lonely than connectedness does, which means wow. it is – it is a real threat um, to our communities. It's a threat to our families. And so when I talk about working on yourself, I want you to also know that in doing that work, it is not selfish. In doing that work, it impacts the way your children feel. It impacts the way your partner feels, your friends yep. feel. If you take care of you and you can create a healthy version of you, those ripple effects are felt all throughout the people you engage with. So that's the first thing. And that, that involves, okay, internalizing that you are inherently worthy of love and belonging and not um, meant to be lonely, not meant to be isolated, that those thoughts and those feelings are not truth. And one activity that has really helped me, especially in moments where I am feeling incredibly isolated, is to take a piece of paper and you're going to draw a line down into the center of that paper, um, hot dog style. So hot dog style, you know, <laughs> long, long way through. I feel like a kindergarten teacher, but uh, just bear with me. Y'all bear with me on this. And uh, on the left side of the paper, I want you to write um, the word lies. And on the right side of that paper, I want you to write truth. So you're going to have lies um, first, truth second. And what I want you to do is to first start by going down on the side of lies and writing down the lies that you hear repeating over and over again in your mind. And this could be something like, I am lonely because I am not worthy of having friends or I'm a terrible friend. I No one loves me. I like I'll never measure up. I'll never have the success that she has. Her life will always be so much better than than mine. Um you know, whatever those lies are that you hear repeating that are drawing you further and further into your separate corner away from other people, I want you to just get it down no matter how painful it is, no matter how ashamed you might feel at first of writing those words on paper. That's actually a powerful act of declaring them out loud. Write them down. And then what I want you to do is I want you to flip the script and on the other side of that paper, I want you to write down truth. And if you're really feeling ambitious or you're an Enneagram 3, then I want you to include with that truth. A little bit of of biblical backup here. So, you know, if you said, for instance, like, 
that you are are never going to be loved and you know not not worthy of that love i want you to write the opposite because the opposite is 100% true and i want you to write down that you are loved and you have been loved from before the moment of your creation and i want you to go find biblical scripture to back that up if you sit there and you feel envious of others and that is what you're struggling with in the lie i want you to write on the side of truth that you know your life was created with with a purpose and that there is goodness awaiting you um, and that the success of others does not take away from that in you. That you yes. know you you can champion and cheer for other people, and you are called to do that. And I want you to write down that truth and challenge the lies. And why this is important in terms of combating loneliness is that sometimes these narratives run rampant, and we allow them to run rampant. You know, we cannot control so many things that occur in our lives. I mean, we're witnessing that right now with a global pandemic. We cannot control that there is currently a virus sweeping across the world. We can't. However. We can control how we react to it. We can control how we, you know, take action. And that action begins in our mindset. That action begins in what we think because our thoughts become our actions. So that's like the first thing I want to say to you is, you know, work on you and start with internalizing. And then that's an example of like an activity that I've done personally that's really been helpful. Um, Expanding beyond that, you know, once you you start to work on yourself, and I want, I always, I'll say too, I always put that one first because I don't want you to just step into a community and expect it to fix you. I don't want you to walk into a room full of people and say, I'm not going to do the work on me. I'm not going to check in with my heart because I just expect this community to take away those feelings. I expect, you know, like it, it works with striving the same way, doesn't it? It's like when you're climbing that ladder of striving, mm-hmm. you expect the next accomplishment to eradicate your feeling of unworthiness or to eliminate that feeling that you don't measure up and it doesn't. Unfortunately, sometimes it can even make it worse. It can even feel like, okay, well, I've got the thing I waited for. Why don't I feel fixed? Why don't I feel healed? And we we all know listening to this that that's because we can't be healed through accomplishments and achievements. That's not right. where, where our worth and our value stems from. But but we often can fall into that trap. And so the same applies here to community. We're going to work on ourselves. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to heal ourselves. We're going to have those internal conversations that we need to have. We're going to write down the lies. We're going to, you know, reaffirm the truths. We're going to embrace the fact that we are loved and that we can use that love to love other people. We're going to step into that. And once we do that, now we, we begin to navigate the spaces that are external, that other people occupy. And this is where it gets down to, you know, investing in community. And there's sort of two routes that I look at when I look at giving advice in this space. The first is to join communities that exist or to get more plugged into the ones where you already occupy space. And so this is always a good challenge because I know a lot of people that can list, you know, hundreds of communities or Facebook groups that they're in, right? Like they, they're like, I'm super involved. I'm a part of this and that and the other. But um, I like to raise the challenge of saying, wonderful, but let's get you you engaged because you mm-hmm. can be in a Facebook group and not be a part of contributing to the conversation. You can show up at church and sit in the pews, but not actually be an engaged member of a congregation. Um, You can, you know, give a shout out on social media to a charity you care about, but have you lifted a hand to actually help? And so I think these are the spaces where we can get more involved in communities that exist and opportunities that are around us by simply taking action. And look, I know it's scary. I know it is terrifying to be vulnerable and to put yourself out there and to step up and to do more than just observe or to lurk. I know it is. Trust me, I do. 
But I also know that there is no fruit from just waiting for a seed to be planted and cultivated. You have to do the work of actually, you know, digging into the soil with your hands and getting Mm -hmm. dirty and getting muddy and getting messy and planting that seed and then waiting for it to grow. And I think that that's how we need to look at communities. We can't just expect it to happen. We have to go out and be engaged and show up. And that's the first kind of um, route that I would say to go. The second one is, you know, there are a lot of people listening to this that maybe, you know, haven't found the right community. Maybe they've been waiting to to find a, a table where there's a seat for them, or they are in communities but don't really feel like they're the right fit in this season. Um, for for those of you who who feel that way, there's a second route to go, and that is to build your own table. That is to start to create communities of your own. And that's the route that I went as a small business owner. When I looked left and right and the communities that I saw were traditional networking groups where, you know, you'd walk into the room and it was all about what you could get rather than what you could give. It was all about Mm -hmm. shaking hands and collecting business cards and collecting people as if they're, you know, trophies for your own success in the entrepreneurial world instead of doing life alongside people like we're supposed to and we're called and created to do. And so I tried my very best to build my own table. And that might be what some of you listening to this were supposed to hear from today's podcast. That might be the one message you were supposed to take away. And the truth of the matter is that if you are called to build your own table or create your own community, it starts one person at a time. And it isn't something that just happens overnight, you know, in a, in a viral manner and it's just like always a spark to a fire. It sometimes <laughs> starts slow and it sometimes starts by just reaching out a hand and, um, you know, asking someone, you know, to connect. Right now maybe it's a Zoom coffee date because we're not right. all, you know, getting yeah. together in person. Or it could look like connecting with a long, a long lost friend that you haven't connected with in a while, but it involves speaking up and reaching out a hand because something Rachel said that I think is so important and so many so many of us can relate to is that when we go through lonely seasons and we finally do open up to someone and we say, oh, this has just been such a hard time, we're very often met with, but why didn't you say anything? Why didn't right. you tell me? I would have been there. This is what I'm here for. I want to be there for you. But you see, I really believe that the enemy wants to keep us in the darkness. The enemy wants to keep us isolated. We cannot flourish when we are alone. And that's where the lies just ravage us. It's when we're not connected because the minute we're connected to other people and we're reaching out to those friends and we're building community one person at a time, they can oftentimes speak truth to our lives. And in my own world, you know, early on, I, I, I've been through I've been through a lot of different personal struggles and I'm fairly open with them. You know, I was diagnosed with a benign brain tumor in my early twenties and I went through brain surgery in my late twenties and one of the resulting implications of that was infertility. And without modern medicine, I am barren, you know, by all definitions. And mm. I hid that from the world for such a long time. I was so afraid to be open and honest about that. I really and I, and look, whether it's the Enneagram three in me that wants to look perfect from the outside in, or it's just human nature, it's just being a woman and being too afraid sometimes for us to be vulnerable about those longings on our hearts that just feel like oxygen in our lungs, like without it, we can't even breathe. Like I, I don't know what it is, but I do know that I felt such freedom the first moment I shared what I was walking through with someone that I loved. Yes. When I was able to say like, this is what I'm experiencing and I am struggling. I am feeling so broken and I am feeling so inadequate and I am feeling just like 
this is so unfair and I I can barely process it and I just need to get it out and I just need to be honest about what I'm walking through. And I was met with love and I was met in that season because I was vulnerable by additional vulnerability. When one of us is willing to be open with another person, we empower vulnerability in our communities. We create safe spaces where people feel comfortable. And, And look, the opposite of that is true. When someone comes forward and is vulnerable and is willing to share a story with you that they are ashamed of or that they are struggling with or that they are walking through, I want to really challenge you to approach them with nothing but love, to set aside judgment, to set aside fear, Um, especially in that first moment of vulnerability. I would say there is always time later for good counsel and guidance. Sometimes what people really need is just to know that they are loved. And our, our opportunity there is to be that love for them in that season. And for me, that was very much what I was met with. And, you know, I I can't even put into words the impact that that, that had in, in my own walk and in my own season of like little by little stripping away the masks that we wear and little by little feeling like I could stop trying to pretend like I had it all together and I could stop trying to yes. pretend like things were perfect and I could just be real and be honest and be vulnerable and that I was met by that same vulnerability. When I would share that I was walking through infertility, I had a girlfriend that I never knew had experienced an early pregnancy loss and her opening up to me, we wept together. And I, like, I look back and we had such, we, you know, even now we're very, very close. We had such different experiences and no, no, none of us could, could truly know exactly what the other one had endured, but we loved one another. And in that moment we were family for one another. And yeah, I think that there's such power in that. And so I want to encourage you, you know, maybe it looks like getting involved in communities that exist, but I also think it looks like doing the one-to-one. You know, I, I say like, community sometimes is one to many. You walk into a packed room and it's one and tons of other people. So it's the one to many. But I really believe the most profound impact in any kind of society is the one to one. It's, you know, three people sitting together or 12 disciples sitting around a table. And that's where the magic really happens. And I want to challenge the girl too that's listening that when you said, you know, like, reach out the one-to-one, have that conversation. Maybe you're the one that initiates it and she just feels crippled in fear. Maybe because she's experienced past hurt or rejection. I want to speak to you in your heart that Philippians 4.19 promises us that our God will meet all of our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And if what you're needing is community and love and friendship and prayer, those are good, fruitful things. The Lord does not want to hold that back from you. So in that moment, I think of vulnerability of just humbling yourself and saying, Hey, I, I need help. Like, would you go grab coffee with me? Or can we go on a walk or something like that? I think is a beautiful opportunity for God to be able to show himself to you through that. And not saying that rejection might not happen because unfortunately it's always a possibility, but I think choosing to move forward in that obediently, regardless of what the outcome might be, is always going to be met with blessing. And the Lord is always going to want to come through for you in those ways. And it might be with that person, or he might swoop in someone else. You know, you just never know. But I I would want to speak to that heart that maybe is fearful or hesitant of rejection that could come that um, our, our Lord has promised us that. And that is a heavy and beautiful promise that he will always come through on. And I'm sure Natalie has many stories like I do about that, but he, he just will. And I can't explain it. But he does. And he will. So I just wanted to speak to the girl that probably was, as you were talking, like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You can. <laughs> and you're called to. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll build upon that too. When you've experienced rejection, the enemy wants you to think that that's how it's always going to be. 
Yes. You know, when you've been hurt in community, because community is imperfect, it is, it's, it's created by humans, you know, it's, it's imperfect. Rejection will happen. Um, I think all of us have a different moment in, in our lives where we have or will experience that sensation and the enemy wants you to sit in that and, you know, there, there is that feeling of like, but well, I could never reach out again. I can never um, try again. And, and that that's not the place where we're meant to be. Brene Brown has a quote that I, I joke, I'm like, I'll tattoo this on my body. I probably won't, but um, <laughs> I, I love it. And, you know, she says, if you go walking through the world looking for reasons why you don't belong, you're going to find them. And the opposite mm. is true as well. And it's it's this idea that if you have been rejected and so when you walk into a space, you are looking for all the reasons why you won't fit in. You are looking for all the reasons why you won't belong. You are looking for all the reasons why you're going to feel that same way over again. You're going to find evidence for that. Every person's gaze will feel piercing and judgmental. Every person's mm. remark will feel cutting and directed to you. But when you flip the script, and that's when I talk about internal work, like working on your heart, and you walk into that room knowing that you do belong, knowing that you are welcome, knowing that you have a space there, you see that through an entirely different lens. You see that through a lens that every person's gaze is an opportunity to connect. Every person's outstretched hand is a chance to make a new friend. Like every opportunity in that space is calling for something greater. And not to, to to harm you. And I think that that won't take away the need for discernment, but I do think it shifts the lens through which we walk into a room. Yes. as it, I mean, believing to our core, we belong before we ever have any thought someone would reject us. I think that we would all carry ourselves so much differently. And I think being co-heirs of Christ... <laughs> We are supposed to walk that way, and we can. We have the permission to walk this way. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so beautiful about being a believer in this space and talking through community is we, we, we carry the community, like you were saying earlier, in our, in our spiritual DNA, regardless of what our human DNA says. So what, is it, what does it look like for us to choose that over how we feel, to tr- choose truth over feelings? And walking in that, I think, would, we would have so many neat encounters, opportunities, um, relationships that start. And honestly, it just would manifest in so many amazing ways when we choose to do so. One of my favorite things to ask people to wrap this up is what are you loving these days? What's something that you have to share with the people that they might not know about quite yet? Ooh, well, you know what's okay. Wait, you know, what's really embarrassing is when you said that what? I wanted to say hummus. And then I realized you weren't asking what? a question about like food. You were asking a uh-uh. life question. Uh, I, I really it. wanted to respond. I discovered, I discovered. I, you can say hummus. We've said, we've had people say vacuum cleaners. Oh people have had said ice cream flavors, like literally anything that makes Natalie happy okay, wait, that you think. And I have to do this. I have to do this. Okay. So I traveled to Israel. I've been to Israel twice in the last couple of years. Um, Honeybook has an office out there and I flew out and all the Israelis like took me around Jerusalem. We did like a whole, it was the most extraordinary experience of my life. But in that's amazing. Israel. Yeah, by the way, if anyone goes to Israel ever and you want to just connect with some of the most amazing humans, the honeybuggers that live in Tel Aviv are amazing. So just DM me and I'll give you my recs. Actually, on my blog, if you Google like Natalie Frank Israel travel guide, I have a whole list of things that we did. So highly recommend. Um, but I discovered hummus out there and I fell in love with it while I was in Israel. And then I came home and like hadn't really had it. And then I discovered that they now make hummus in all sorts of different varieties, not just your typical like garlic and red pepper hummus. I'm talking sweet 
dessert hummuses. And before you cringe, they're so good because chickpeas themselves are like kind of unflavored. So you can go any direction with them. So um, that's what I'm loving right now. I'll leave it with that. I'll say delicious hummus. Um, I'm really loving that. But I think what I'm also loving – okay, I'll say something sappy because it's me. Um, (laughs) I'm also loving digital togetherness in a season of physical isolation. I am loving seeing how we are taking advantage of the technology that we have and using it for good um, and choosing to use it for good and consciously taking action and connecting with one another on these platforms. And, you know, it, it won't ever replace physical connection. And we need that. We truly need that as human beings. But I am loving seeing people FaceTime with their grandparents and teaching them how to use the technology and connecting with old friends yeah. over Zoom and, you know, a glass of wine and I, doing small group virtually and like continuing all of these different facets of our lives as best we can through digital togetherness. And in a lot of ways, even using what's happening right now as a reason, not that we ever need one, but as a reason to reach out and check on people that we love. And I'm loving that. And I'll stand behind that. Wow. So hummus? And digital togetherness. Those are my two. I bet you there's like peanut butter. I'm thinking like chocolate. I think I'm, yeah. Wow. A whole new thing. Would you eat it with pretzels? You know, if it was sweet? I think so. I've had it with, um, I like pita chips. I'm a big pita chip. But I know people that eat it with cookies, which is like maybe a little much. But like, you know, the tiny chocolate chip cookies, they'll like dip it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm picking it up. All right. Well, we are going to link everything that you just mentioned and more in our show notes for today. So if you're listening and you want that travel guide or anything else that we talked about in today's episode, then you need to head over to behindthebliskpodcast.com. Natalie, again, thank you so much. I'm like jotting down so many notes so quickly, can't keep up. So I can't wait to re-listen to this. And I think listeners are like, yep, going to have to re-listen because there was so much goodness that you shared that really started turning my wheels and stirring my heart and conversations like these are so good for me. Oh, I'm really honored that you would ask. And I just, I want to encourage anyone listening to this, like, please, please, please don't let the conversation end here. I would love to connect with you. I would love to, you know, support you in any way that I can on your journey. And for those who are either running a small business or starting one, Rising Tide Society is an awesome place to get connected. And that, you know, can be maybe a starting place for if you aren't already involved, like digging deeper into your local community. Um, But even on the personal side, never hesitate to reach out, never hesitate to send me a DM just at Natalie Frank on Instagram. I'm in a current season of not answering them. So please don't judge me. With COVID, it's been hard. No (laughs) childcare and balancing full-time job and writing a book and a lot of other things. But um, I do my best. And so I would just invite you to know that like I try to hold space for these conversations and I try to hold space for you. And that's really what I feel called to do. Um, Not so much to speak on stages, but to create them for other people and um, to hold them for other people too. And so I want to invite you to connect with me and um, continue the conversation. But Rachel, like I'm just really honored that you'd asked to have me on today. Thank you. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.